back to the podcast, everybody. It's the second part of what we already told you. Sitting here with Brother Tim Brim. Thank you for joining into the podcast today. We hope and trust that you enjoyed the last episode, and hopefully you learned something. Hopefully it helped you. And today we've got some other topics we're going to jump into. And I really don't know what else to do, Brother Tim, except just to jump right into it. That's right. There ain't Let's no sense go. in just there ain't no sense in just tiptoeing into the cold water for a while. I mean, <laughs> that's right. I guess we're just going to cannonball. There ain't there ain't no uh, ain't no ways other to do it than just to say it. Let's just jump in. All right. So we're going to jump to a scripture, and I know this is quick. We're only a minute and a few seconds into this thing, but I'm just going to jump straight into a scripture, and that scripture is in First Timothy chapter two, verse number nine. Mm-hmm. It says, "In like manner also the woman adorned themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness, sobriety, not with broided hair, gold, pearls, or costly array." First Peter three and three also says, "Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair, and of wearing of gold and putting on of apparel." Mm-hmm. And so, right here in these two verses, these are probably known as probably one of the two most famous verses. That we use to pull from this topic of jewelry. Mm -hmm. And so I I already understand this is this is probably going to probably not going to make some folks the happiest they've ever been in their life um, (laughs) on this episode. But I can't help what the Bible says. I didn't write it. Mm -hmm. This is the word of God. And we don't want to take one scripture and live it to the fullest and then just let one pass on through the wind and not Mm -hmm. believe it. Right. The Bible is either all the way right or all the way wrong. Mm -hmm. So I want to take it what the Bible says and what it means and what we're supposed to do. And so I definitely want to dive in these two verses and explain what they mean. Okay. But then however you want to start out, this is our first topic of the day, and we have a couple. This is our first topic of the day, and that is what is the what is the origin of jewelry? Where, where do we even begin? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. And those two verses are probably the most commonly used and discussed verses That's when we talk I about jewelry. Figure. Yeah. But you're you're asking the question, what is the origin of jewelry? And you're probably going to be shocked at my answer. Um, really, I would say jewels and adorning started with God. Um, you find in heaven that he created Lucifer and was adorned with beautiful jewels as well as musical instruments that were built literally into his angelic yeah. body the 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 tabrets the yeah, pipes pipes he the he vials was, sound of his vials yeah he was an amazing yeah. created being but god adorned him and he literally Think about it. In the presence and the glory of God, he would reflect and just sparkle in the presence of God as he worshiped and led in worship. There's a lot right there, but that's where God started that adorning or jewels on a created being. Now, um, when you look at the Bible, you're going to find that God wanted to bless his people with gold, silver, wealth, jewels, but they couldn't handle it. The reason they couldn't handle it is because Lucifer couldn't handle it. He got filled with pride and determined that he was more than God. 
the one that created him. And so that pride, that vanity that was in him is what gets in the heart of people with jewels, gold, silver, even clothing, different items like that, adornments. So it started with God, but man messed it up. Really, the devil messed it up. Well, if and I've taught about jewelry in the Bible at our church, and what I do is I just try to take it from the Bible and deal with it all the way through in the Word of God. Of course, when you go to Ezekiel 28, that's where he's talking about Lucifer, and we first see jewels and the beauty that was in him. Pride got a hold of it. Uh, he wanted to become God. Vanity and idolatry were the results of his beauty in verse 17 of chapter 28 of Ezekiel. And all of that led to his fall. Now, the question that I have is, do people really think that they can handle jewelry and adornments and jewels, gold, silver, better than an angel that was in the very presence of God and still it led him to idolatry and uh, pride and vanity. Do you think you can handle it better than they do, than he did? How, how do you think that you are qualified to handle it better? There is an allurement of that spirit of pride and vanity that attacks the heart when it comes to jewelry. In Genesis chapter number 2, we find that God immediately makes note of the fact that there was gold in the Garden of Edom. Eden. There was also delium and onyx, all of that. There's beautiful stones there. And remember, God created it, but he created it for a proper purpose. Genesis 13, God mentions that his servant Abraham is blessed with great riches in cattle, silver, and gold, and he has began blessing his people with wealth, even in the areas that would lead to jewelry. He was entrusting it to them. What are you going to do with it? We get to Genesis 24. This is where Abraham sent his servant Eleazar to get a wife for his son Isaac. And in verse 22, when he found her, he gave her golden earrings, gold bracelets. Then in verse 53, he gave her jewels of gold and silver and raiment. And I want you to notice that, Brother Austin, because gold and silver and clothes will go together throughout the whole Bible. There is a allurement there of vanity and pride. But he was giving these precious things to them, letting her know that the great wealth of the master would come to her. And it's a beautiful picture of his desire to bless the people of God. He wanted to bless them with riches and wealth and wonderful things. But when you get to Genesis 38, Judah is the first man that is said to be wearing jewelry. And it was a trap in his life. It was something that brought a failure morally in him and led to destruction in his life. Go to Genesis 41. Pharaoh puts a gold necklace around Joseph's neck. Joseph is being honored by a worldly king for his good leadership and the hand of God in his life. It was a symbol of power and authority. So we're still in that time where God is blessing his people with gold and jewels and even beautiful clothing. God wants to bless his people. I want you to understand that. But when you get to Exodus 3, we come to the story of the Israelites spoiling the Egyptians as they left Egypt. And they took it as a blessing from God. And it was for building the house of God. And they spoiled the Egyptians by taking gold, silver, 
and close. Again, we're back to that same thing. Remember what Timothy and Peter were talking about in the New Testament? They're talking about costly array, silver, gold, pearls, etc., etc. It's the same problem all the way back in the Old Testament. But it is noted that they put it upon their children at this time. So now it's not just on the women, now it's on the men, now it's on the children. Because the more you take it, the more it spreads through your life. And the question is, what are you passing on to your kids? I, I can't deal with that. But they apparently took a lot of spoil there, Brother Austin, because when they took it, it was enough for them to make the golden calf. And after that golden calf was ground down into powder and they drank it, there was still enough to build the tabernacle and make it beautiful. So they must have taken an amazing amount of gold, silver, jewels, yeah. and clothing material from the Egyptians. I always thought that was something that Moses made them drink their own God. Yes, sir. Ground it down uh, into powder yeah. and made them You served drink it, it, you made it, now drink it. Yep. Yep. Wow. Sorry. But when you get to Exodus 28, the high priestly garments are decked with jewels. Again, very beautiful, symbolic. And the priest bore them on his heart, on his shoulder. It's a picture of Christ doing his work for the people. It also applies to the ministry, bearing the burdens of those that are under their ministry. Also a picture of a husband and a father that bears his family on his heart and his shoulders before God. But now we come to Exodus 32. This is where the golden calf is made. The Israelites took the very thing that God had blessed them with yeah. and prospered them with and made it idolatry in their heart and before their eyes. It literally took the place of God in their life. Yeah. And they said, this be the God that brought us out of, Israel, or out of Egypt. They literally got it in their heart. Pride, vanity, backsliding, and idolatry came into their heart and God got angry with them. So much so that he wanted to annihilate them and start a godly nation with Moses. He said, I'm done with these people. The children of Israel had forgotten God. And God literally backed up from them and left them alone for a while. Because they were saying, this is our God. And this is where God's opinion on jewelry, gold and silver, changed forever. He wanted to bless them and prosper them. He wanted to lavish them with wealth. He wanted to pour out his blessing on them in that. But just like Lucifer, they couldn't handle it. And it became vanity and pride in their lives. And it turned to idolatry. And God took his presence away. He said, I'm not going to tolerate idolatry at all. I will not put up with it. And from that point forward in the Bible, you never find that God is condoning jewelry again. He does not do it. Are there people that wear it? Yes, but never with his condoning or his approval. He changed his opinion about it right there and it's said interesting they to can't handle that it. Some of the I've read up on some jewelry and trying to prepare for this episode and also just for personal study. Mm -hmm. And some of the references that I read were some of those that you talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, the priestly garments and sure. all that kind of stuff. And they was advocating that God was for jewelry. Mm -hmm. And so because he was for it then, he's still for it now. Mm. But they didn't state what you're stating. Right. That what was given to be a blessing, yes. man turned into a cursing. He turned it into idolatry. It, it, man wrestles with vanity and pride because Lucifer wrestled with that. And just like he couldn't handle all of that, they cannot either. We cannot either. Now, if, if you look 
going forward in the Bible from there. Exodus 33, they all left their ornaments off and repented and worshiped God. And God came back to them. And now we find that they are leaving that alone and God is with them again. And from this point forward, things were different with God's people in God's word. We find that God never condoned jewelry on his people again. Not a single time. Some still wore it. They still dabbled in jewelry, but never with God's approval. And God points out times in Ezekiel and Jeremiah where their wearing of jewelry and makeup got them in trouble with a harlot spirit and false gods. So never again does God want to bless us, quote unquote, with jewelry. Exodus 35, God says it's time to take an offering for the tabernacle. And what did God ask for? He said, give me your gold. Give me your silver, give me your jewels, and give me your uh, beautiful raiment. I want to use it to build the house of God. They couldn't handle it, so God took it back from them for worship, to build his church, and to build his kingdom. It's as if God said, I'll take what is destroying you that you can't handle, and I'll use it to build my house and my kingdom. And really, when you boil it down, what everybody's spending on all of this, they should be giving it to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we come to find jewelry again, verse 25 and 26. And here, Brother Austin, is where God makes known his hatred for jewelry on his people. He knows what it did to Lucifer. He saw what it did to the children of Israel that he delivered and brought out and blessed. And he doesn't want it happening again, so he hates it. He bans it. The other nations may do it, but you cannot do it. Listen, here it is. Deuteronomy 7, 25-26. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. And here's the key, Brother Austin. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it, but thou shalt utterly detest it, thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Now I want you to notice what God said. He called it accursed. He said it is a cursed thing. They do it, the people of God don't, and if you take it to you, it is a cursed thing. But he goes farther. He said it is a snare to you, lest thou be snared therein. Jewelry is a a curse to the people of God. It is a snare to the people of God. But notice this third one, Brother Austin. He said, for it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. What God did right there is he took the wearing of jewelry, gold, silver, and even apparel in some uh, instances. And he said, this is an abomination to God. He made it a moral law. There is no moral law in the Bible that people will argue with except Deuteronomy 22.5, which is the men's and women's apparel, 
and this one right here. Every other moral law in the Bible, people absolutely agree with. You shouldn't throw your children to the fire. You shouldn't offer them to sacrifices. A false weight is not right. Um, cheating, yeah. all these things, pride, a lying tongue, all those moral laws. Everybody said, oh, that's right. That's great. That's good. But when it deals with our clothing or when it deals with our jewelry, we get upset about it. Yeah. But God made it a moral law. And so really, the argument stops right here in Deuteronomy 17. It's done. It's over. Because he said, it is an abomination. And the moral laws of God never change. It doesn't matter if it's 2022. It doesn't matter if it's 1980. It doesn't matter if it's 1900. It never changes. And so when God said, you put on their jewelry, their jewels, it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Really, the issue settled right there. So we could continue on through the Old Testament showing us where God deals with jewelry. Deuteronomy 17, 17, he said, Israel's kings were not told to accumulate wealth of silver and gold for themselves. Joshua 7, Achan took three things, gold and silver and clothes. Right. The same thing over and over and over again. In Judges 8, 24 to 27, Gideon, who was a mighty man of valor, but they made a um, priestly vestment that was made of beautiful jewels and earrings and ornaments and all of that, and it became a snare to them, is what the Bible said. Isaiah 3, we find a listing of all kinds of jewelry. And I don't know if you've ever studied out Isaiah 3 with that idolatrous worship that was there and the listing of the jewelry that they were wearing in their idolatrous worship. Because when you have vanity and pride, it leads to idolatry. And what these people were doing is trying to take all their idolatry and mix it into their worship. And that's where we're at today. People think I can take all of my idolatry, all my vanity, all my pride in my jewelry, in my clothing, even costly array, and I can bring it right in the presence of God. They forgot it's a snare. It's an abomination to God. It makes God sick. So that pretty much wraps up what I would talk about in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find the story of the prodigal son. There, people say, well, he had a ring on his hand or his wrist. Um, it was a signet. It was a stamp of authority. It was not a finger ring. It was on his hand. It symbolized the loss being restored to God and being put back to have the power of being in the authority of God's family. If, if we're going to take everything in that story literal, Brother Austin, we'd also have to condone dancing. If we want to say, well, he put a ring on his hand, then jewelry is all right. Well, then they also danced at the, at the celebration. So are we going to condone dancing? When you boil it all down, you have to understand that it's figurative. He's not making a stance that jewelry is okay. He's saying, you're restored to the family with the full authority of the family name. Yeah. And that's what the point is with the signet ring there. Now, when we move on down to the testimony of Paul and, and Peter, that's what you were talking about 
earlier from those verses. When we get to them, God deals with the same things again. And apparently God has not changed his mind on jewelry all the way to that point in the scripture. There's one thing in those in both of those scriptures we talked about mm-hmm. is what you'll read when you're reading folks that are advocating for jewelry. Right. Is that here in First Timothy two and nine it also talks about boarded hair and costly array. Yes. And then also in First Peter three and three it talks about the plating of hair and the putting mm-hmm. on of apparel. Right. And so they will take those to disprove the fact of jewelry that we're honing in on the word gold in those two scriptures, but dismissing the rest. And we're not. And that's what I'm trying to bring out with this. Those same three things were the problem all the way back in the Old Testament. They were the same issue. And that's why Paul and Peter are dealing with them again. Because it's not a matter of just jewelry, but the Bible calls it adornment. So it can be clothing, it can be hair, it can be jewelry, it can be a brooch pin on your lapel, it can be any number of things. You can make anything an adornment in your life. And so it's clothing, gold, silver, jewels, etc., etc. And when we get all the way down here to 1 Timothy 2.9 and 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, it's the same thing over again. It is jewelry and clothing gold silver costly array pearls that are causing problems in the christian's life and that's what they're dealing with so looking at jewelry in that full picture what's that 15 minutes of talking about the full picture of jewelry in the bible now do you have any questions you want to ask me that you feel like we need to to deal with i guess the first thing that comes to mind is you was talking about anything can be an adornment yes so the big question is that probably people that are listening right now will is anything can be an adornment if even a necktie can be an adornment and we both had one on last night sure then what's what's right and what's wrong right what what falls into those categories of how how is it right and how is it wrong and what what do I know what what do I do well I think the main problem that we have is we we just talk about jewelry but the Bible doesn't call it jewelry. The Bible calls it adornment. So anything that adorns you can be good or bad. Now, there are some absolute restrictions that God has put on adornments, some things that are not to be done. But then there are some principles that have to be applied to our adornments, like, like these three things I want to cover real quick. First of all, modest Anything adorning our body must be modest. Now, when you go to that word modesty in 1 Timothy 2.9, and you look at that, it literally is the Greek word cosmios. And what that does is it talks about um, the cosmos or the the uh, planets, all of the origins of earth and moon and stars and sun, etc., etc. And everything is in proper order and in proper place. It is well arranged. It is orderly. And when he is bringing that over to us as human beings, he said, everything you adorn yourself with must be modest. It must be in proper order, proper place, well arranged. It must be orderly. It's got to be in good decorum, which means in good taste or etiquette. That is modern, modest. And that is a rule, a principle that applies to everything that we adorn ourselves with, whether it's a suit, whether it's a tie, whether it's a barrette in your hair, whether it's um, 
um, your dress, your shoes, anything. Anything you do, it has to be modest in this sense of being in proper order and place or arranged orderly. It has to be in good taste and good etiquette. So modesty is more than just not revealing the flesh. It is how we wear our clothing and our adornment. And so along with modesty, then that would lead us into moderation. Yes. Moderation is the other one. Philippians 4, 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So you need to be moderate in what you wear. When I wear a necktie, if I wear something that's so flashy that it, it draws attention solely to me when I'm up there preaching and all the attention is on me, I'm not showing moderation. When you adorn yourself with jewels and gold and costly array, you're not showing moderation. But this principle applies to every level of our dressing or our adornment is what we're talking about now. The third thing that I would say is notice he said meekness and sobriety. There must be an attitude behind our adorning. I'm sure you've seen people that their dress is long enough Mm -hmm. and their neckline is high enough, and their sleeves are proper, but yet there's something about their spirit that yeah. is not modest. Maybe it's too tight. Maybe it's the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they act, but there's, a, there's not a meekness or sobriety there. There's not a seriousness about being modest. They've lost that. And those three things have to be incorporated into our adorning to keep us in line with the scripture. Modest, moderation, meekness, and sobriety. So moving on to these scriptures, and here's the word, the wearing of gold, putting on of gold, and this is where or, or pearls. And this mm -hmm. is where we, we, we take a stand on jewelry. Mm -hmm. All right. So we take a stand on jewelry and we don't I mean you hardly I mean I have, but you don't hardly ever see earrings on the pulpit or even within the church unless they're a visitor mm -hmm. in, a, in a holiness church mm -hmm. you don't you, you know you don't see nose rings and lip rings and cheek rings or any kind of ring you can think of eyebrow ring you know all that kind of stuff right but the one thing you will see and you will see it very commonly amongst the church and that is the wedding ring mm -hmm. the wedding ring so what is how can all of that be so condemned? Mm -hmm. Like if I walk in church last night with an earring, I mean, everybody's going to look at me. <laughs> but we walk in with a wedding ring, and it's just so accepted. Right. How, how – I I, to me personally, I can't get my mind wrapped around it. How, how is – in my eyes, it's the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't understand how – what – how – just go. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I don't know how to um, spit it out. It, it is confusing. And think if you're confused, how the common layperson in the church is confused. Why are we against these because of where they're at on the body, but we're not against this one because it supposedly stands for something? But let me take you back to Isaiah chapter 4 again and talk about that idolatrous worship. Because in that, in his descriptions, he said in verse 20, the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets and the earrings, the rings, and the nose jewels. 
He said there are earrings, there are rings, and there are nose jewels. Rings in the nose with a jewel on it. So he is dealing with adornment here. It doesn't matter what material is used to adorn. The act of adorning ourselves with jewelry or gold, silver, pearls, or even wood rings or rubber uh, bracelets that people are wearing, plastic bracelets, all of that is condemned by God. And he breaks it down. He said there's earrings and there's rings and there's nose rings. So he doesn't specify if there's a wedding ring, a mother's ring, a grandma's ring, a birthday ring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He just lumps it as rings. Yeah, I heard a while back of a new new thought, new explanation, I guess, mm-hmm. where somebody said there's a, how do you say it, there's some new teaching going around amongst the church that as long as it means something, the wedding band means something. So as long as it means something, it's okay, which is purity ring, class ring, mm-hmm. who knows what other rings they got. 55 of them. <laughs> so we're going to say that all 55 of them are right because they yeah. mean something? Because I, I've, seen, I've seen it, not just a wedding yes, ring. You'll, you'll see it right in the church. You'll see it. And, of course, I don't know who's all visitors and who's not. Right. But a lot of times you'll see more than just a wedding ring. You'll see right. two, three. Well, I take you back all the way to Deuteronomy, Brother Austin. And God absolutely said it's an abomination. And it does not matter if you feel like you have a a name or a title to put or a reason i've got to have this it's not right remember what he said it is an abomination and a snare it's settled right there now some people say well i need people to know that i'm married yeah and so that's I'm gonna, probably the main argument yeah and I, so people i'm gonna wear a wedding ring the two things i would say to that is this or actually three things number one it's an abomination that's that's clear the second thing, if wedding rings let people know that you're married and thereby they prevent flirting and adultery, then the world would never have an issue or problem with flirting or adultery because yeah. they're all wearing rings. The wedding rings are relevant. The if ring somebody, don't help. You know, say if somebody, exactly what you said. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wants to come after you, they'll, they'll just come after you. People don't care about no wedding They ring. don't care. People take those wedding you rings see it all, the time. all the time. And wearing a wedding ring doesn't matter to them. It is not a preventative to flirting no. or adultery. It's not. To me, that is the weakest argument anybody could make about a wedding ring, is i got to let somebody know I'm married. It's not helping yeah. the in the world. The old-timers always used to preach, if you'd act married, people would know. Exactly. And that's the <laughs> second point, is if you need a ring to let someone know you're married, you desperately need to change your behavior and start acting like a married person. That ring means nothing in this world element today we live in. Nothing. Brother, Zero. I don't need a ring. When I go to Walmart, I always have kids with me. Yeah. Even if I'm by myself. <laughs> I understand. The last time I went to Walmart, I had twins with me. Not at, not every single time I know, but a good portion of the time. It's so bad that my nine-month-old, his little name's Noah, nine-month-old, when he sees me walk out the door, he just loses it. Can't hardly breathe. <laughs> Because he watches other kids go with me to Walmart because they know daddy is weak and he'll get them candy or maybe a little toy. (laughs) Every once in a while, a big toy because they live in a trailer and I feel sorry for them. Yeah. And so I I, I spoil them. I can't help it. (laughs) But anyways, they love going to Walmart. People know when you pull up. Right. That you're married. I just thought that was comical. Yeah. I I was rolling around Walmart with twins in the little family buggy. (laughs) Well, 
a wedding ring is going to let them know better that you're married than you carrying your family around. Yeah. Is that is that what they're saying? And and to me that makes absolutely no sense. The world is destroyed by adultery and they wear wedding rings every day. A wedding ring does not prevent flirting and adultery. No. It's how you behave yourself. It's that meek and quiet spirit, that sobriety. And if that somebody we're still about. does, just say I'm married. Yeah. That's the same thing your your ring is supposed to be doing. That's right. Just say leave me alone, I'm married. Yeah. So I mean, you could be you could be standing there just at Walmart looking at a toy and some guy come up to you or in my case a woman come up to me. Just say, Oh, I'm married. No thanks. That's, that's it. Settle right. deal. Real simple. Right. Absolutely right. And really, I mean, anybody can put a ring on. Yeah. <laughs> anybody can put a ring on. That doesn't even... No. I mean, I know what a wedding band stands for. Right. But women wear, in the world wear rings all the time. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily mean just because a woman's wearing a ring that... Right. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I think scripturally we have answered the question. And now it boils down to, do you want to accept what scripture says? Do you want to accept the teaching of scripture or do you want to go on with your explanations of why I've got to have this ring? How about we just go back to what the Bible said? At some point, I can't remember what episode it was exactly, but we had, uh, you know, we've had all kinds of guests on here. But mm-hmm. uh, Mark's came on here quite a bit, and a friend of mine, you probably don't know Mark why. I don't know if you do or not. I do. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. So he's come on here, and he told the story about his mom, and he's told it on here. And uh, But I think it was maybe the second episode we did with the four of us on there but anyways he got on and he talked about his mom uh struggling with that wedding band he was like she said i'm just not taking it off mm-hmm. she said if god wants me to take it off he'll take it off that's what she said mm. and she came to my home church that night and uh she had god had really and it was i mean it was really on her finger i mean she couldn't just take it off i mean right. it was she wanted god to take it off but i mean it was on there if i'm remembering the story correctly and uh he could tell the details. You can go back and listen to it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But she began to shout that night, and that thing flew right off her finger. Wow. And my pastor went and picked it up and you know gave it back to her, and that was an answer to her prayer. Right. God yes, took that. I mean, he Absolutely. answered her prayer, and she. he said she ain't put it back on. Right. And, uh, you know, you God can show you. If you're really, truly wanting to know, and it's in the Bible. Sure. It's in the Bible, but she just she wanted she wanted God to take it off and that's exactly right. what he did. Right. Well, Brother Austin, you may not even know this, but I was way raised with rings. My mom and dad both wore wedding rings. When my wife and I got married, we were married with wedding rings. We had no idea. Nobody had ever taught us. Yeah. I heard the first time I ever heard anybody preach against jewelry was Brother Billy Ray Hudson at Bristow Camp Meeting one year. I was probably 17, 18 years old. It's the first time to Bristow. Brother Billy Ray was preaching. I had on a silver class ring that was huge like a golf ball at Bristow. Mm. And standing back there with that on, I look around. He started preaching on that. I just stuck my hand in my pocket. I was embarrassed. But I never heard it. I didn't yeah. know. And when he preached on that, he was preaching on about a just balance and how we get out of balance. And when you wear that jewelry, it gets your life out of balance. I never heard that. But from that day on, I began praying about it, began studying the scripture, and I found out this is what is right. Well, if somebody walked in that door right now and they just stood there talking to us, my eyes are automatically going to fix 
on that if they had a big old ring on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's automatically going to fix to yeah. an ear ring, right. or an, you know, obviously if I'm looking at their face, I'll see a nose ring or whatever. Right. But an earring or a wedding band, it's just something about that mm-hmm. that 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 jewelry. Your eyes just automatically go to it. You know it. Right. You know right. it. And it's it's a vanity and it, it is a pride issue, you know. Well, I think we've got another topic. Okay. We need to run to if you're ready to go to that one. Sure. What you got? All right. And so the next topic is that we have dealt with. Are you good with I, the topic of jewelry? I absolutely. Unless there's something else you want me to deal with. Well, we're 36 minutes in, so <laughs> long-winded um, preaching already. <laughs> <laughs> so we dealt with the topic of jewelry, and in this topic of jewelry. Mm-hmm. I felt that there was two other things that I, I, I wanted to address here when we're talking about appearance. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say this, but it's just most of this is going to deal with the ladies. Right. Most okay. of this. Now, if this deals with a man, you've got some deeper problems <laughs> than what than what we're about to talk about. Right. But with gender distinction nowadays... There's a lot of this going on too, mm-hmm. but in the church house, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say say the word. What do we need to know about makeup? Mm, makeup. Is it wrong? Is it is it okay? What if it's well? I'm not I'm not using it like super super thick. Just a <laughs> just a little bit of touch. Just a little bit to take care of. A little bit. Just a just a foundation. Just a starter layer. Right. What a what about that? Mm-hmm. Well, the the Bible gives us two things that we need to look at. Number one, God condemns all makeup by biblical principle. He never condones makeup at all. But every time you find it in the Bible, it's associated with harlotry and adultery. It is the woman on the street corner. It is yeah. um, Jezebel. It is a hola and a holaba, and I believe that's in Ezekiel. Say that five times fast. Exactly, <laughs> and then they, the charismatics would say you got the Holy Ghost, <laughs> you know. But all of those right there are are times where God uses to bring out that makeup is associated with adultery, idolatry, and harlotry. You know, the world uses that phrase. I'm gonna go put my face on. Yeah. Why do you need to go put your face on? God made you. We already said that. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You right. are who you are. Yep. You yep. don't need to change your skin. That's right. You don't need to change your facial features. Right. You are who you are. God right. made you that way. Yes. Anything that you do to cosmetically change your outward appearance is telling God that you know how you should look and you know better than he does. And that is not right. So when you look at it that way, all makeup, dyeing your hair, fake hair, fake glasses, fake nails, fake lashes on your eyes, fake body adornments, they are not to be allowed because God made you just like he wants you. Now, usually if I'm preaching in person, I make a comment about how I'm fat, and I say, God made me this way. Well, I made myself that way. Yeah. But God made me with the shape of my nose. God made me with the shape of my hands or my ears or my hair being gray or brown 
or whatever it used to be and is today. God made us that way. And we have got to learn to accept that God knows what he's doing. And we don't know better than God. We need to let God be the and this creator doesn't mean of our life. You need to take care of yourself. Absolutely. You need to take care of your skin. Yes. If you're like me, I have bad skin. I have some psoriasis I deal with on mm -hmm. elbows and in my knees, and I have to do a different kinds of creams and lotions, or otherwise it you know it cracks open. It's, it's pretty painful. Yes. But I have to deal with stuff. You want to take care of yourself. You want to be clean. You want to take care of the temple that God's given you. That's not what we're talking about. No, we're talking I'm not about talking not about being that. nasty and not taking care of yourself. Exactly. We're talking about changing yourself. Right. Somebody said, well, what if I have a cosmetic surgery to remove something from my face that you know, is... skin cancer. Yeah, I mean, is cancerous or can be cancerous. That's totally different. Yeah. But if you're going just, to get a Botox to make your cheeks... Yeah, or to make your lips smile. look fuller or whatever. <laughs> that is not right. Yeah. But if you're going to do something that is medically preventative or yeah. healthy... Uh, that you're helping I, I, yourself. I believe that is all fine. Yes. And, and I don't think that falls into the what the scripture is talking about here. But anything artificial that you're adding to, going back to adornment, is wrong. Um, I mean, there's there's women, there's women out there, and, and men for that matter. You hate to even say that, but women out there that will look one way, mm -hmm. and if they get the right makeup artist. My wife was reading an article one time, and there was a picture of you know what a makeup artist does and she was like look at this mm -hmm. look at this and it was this woman she was like a druggie i guess or something like that yeah. she all her teeth were missing she was i mean it was it was pretty rough i'm just being polite it was pretty rough mm -hmm. she went to a professional makeup artist and the before and after picture i was like what yeah what what right. and that's what this world doing yes Th this world is going to the clubs and the bars and they don't even they don't even know who they're getting. Right. I right. mean, this is what the world's dealing with. Right. My well, beautiful wife looks the same yes. all day long. Right. I mean, she don't put a new face on and take a face off and Right. No. Absolutely. I didn't marry two different people. That's right. And that's what a lot of guys deal with. Yes. I even heard uh I don't know if my wife told me or somebody told me about a woman that her her husband's never seen her without makeup. Oh my. And it's just like, why? Why do you want to do that? Right. I, I, I don't know. Sorry. That's all right. It's it's your podcast. You do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. If I get in trouble, it's <laughs> that's, mine. That's oh, right. Well. The <laughs> same question comes down to the coloring of nails or putting on fake nails. Is that wrong? And it is. But and brother, we, brother Tim, it, it's just clear. It's clear. It's it's just clear, brother Tim. Clear nail polish. It's just clear. I understand. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. It's still makeup. <laughs> and it, you go back to the foundation, or I don't remember what some of those things you said at the I beginning. I don't even know the terms. Yeah, I don't, I don't I'm, either. I'm illiterate. I just know makeup. I'm, right. I'm sure some of these ladies might be listening and be like, there's 20 different kinds. I don't, I don't know. Absolutely. But the bottom line is this. God does not condone it. God does not approve of it. No. Never in the Word of God. Matter of fact... He condemns it. I mean, I, I wish I was prettier, but I'm not. I'm, this old ugly mug is just as ugly as it's going to get. Well, I don't I know. I just have it to might, get over it and go on. It might get uglier as the years go. <laughs> but it's as pretty as it's going to get, and that's not much. I mean, I love you, brother. but I mean, everybody, I guess, wants to be more hint. Guys wants to be, I guess, maybe look better and be more fit or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. I, I can't change this ugly mug. This right. is what God gave me, and this is what I'm just going to have to live with. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let me read this verse. Dealing with 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 is where I'll start. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. There is a proper adornment. Yes. And that's what the holy women of old had. They didn't have all this makeup and jewelry, etc., to make themselves look beautiful in the eyes of the world. They had a meek and quiet spirit, and they were considered holy. And when you look at the Bible, Brother Austin, and you come to the very end of it in Revelation chapter 17 and chapter 19, there is a comparison of two women. Mm -hmm. One is the great whore. And if you look at her apparel, her adornments, her abominations, and her adulteries, and look at everything that is there in her life, it is absolutely amazing. But when you go to Revelation 19, you find the bride of Christ, and you find her readiness, her raiments, and her righteousness. And she has nothing to do with jewelry, gold, silver, costly array. She is robed in garments that are clean and white, which are the righteousness of the saints. There is a bride of Christ, and there's a great whore. Which one are we going to be part of? Mm. I want to be like that bride of Christ. I want to be part yeah. of that bride of Christ. But I don't want to be in any way associated with that great whore at the end of time. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. I, Beverly about Car seven or eight minutes, and then we'll okay. have to cut it. All right. Beverly Carradine <laughs> tells this story. He said there was a wealthy woman that he knew who was literally of nobility or royalty. She, she was from a kingly line. And she got a great experience with God, but she was filled and consumed with jewelry. She loved it. She uh, got convicted of that jewelry in her life. And so she took two large diamonds that she wore on her hand, and she took the money, she sold them and took the money and built a hospital for women who were... Um, in wickedness, couldn't afford medical care, living ungodly lives. And in that hospital, she would give them the gospel. And one day she was ministering in the hospital to a dying woman. And as she was sitting beside that woman on her bed, that woman said, Ma'am, but for you, I would not have this quiet, home-like place in which to die. And more than that, I would not have been prepared to die. But you taught me here and have led me to Jesus and I'm going to him now by what you have done. Then she pulled herself up, bent over the hand of that lady that came from royalty, and kissed her hand. And when she did, two big tears fell on that lady's hands. And she looked down at him, and she said, Lord, you have sent me back my two diamonds, and they are so much more lovely and more precious than when I gave them to you. She took her diamonds, her money, and turned it into a blessing to win souls. And God gave her something better in reply. 
Friend, I want to tell you that if you'll just give the things of the world up, God will give you something that's so much better. He has something better for us to be part of the bride of Christ and to win and influence souls than to be part of the great horror system of this world and be caught up in the worldly element and have nothing at the end of our life. I would rather choose to be part of the bride of Christ. Yes, sir. I want to be part of the bride. I want to make it. Amen. I want to do what is pleasing to God so I can get as close to God as I can. Absolutely. As close to God. I don't want nothing in the way. Right. I don't want nothing to hinder my experience with God. Yes, sir. Appreciate you coming today. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate the opportunity, and hopefully it's a help to somebody. I'm praying that it will be. Yep. So at the end of this podcast, just know you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the eyes of God, made in the image of God. Be comfortable in who you are. That's right. You can't be too prideful. Right. But I love what Brother Savage said. You can't be too prideful. You can't think too high of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's trouble. That's right. Lucifer territory. Right. He said, but you can't take too low of yourself either. You are a child of God. That's right. Don't let the devil beat you over the head. You don't need all this stuff in the world. You just need to be you. Mm-hmm. Dress holiness. Dress modest. Don't cut your hair. You don't need makeup. You don't need colored nails, clear nails, mm-hmm. uh, clear polish, I mean, fake nails. You don't need all this stuff to make you beautiful. Right. We are beautiful in the eyes of God, in exactly who, where we are. That's right. If we could grab a hold of that and be comfortable in that. Yes. And I know a lot of people have a lot of self-securities and uh, your self-insecurity, I mm-hmm. should say, and uh, and different things like that. And I know people battle it. I understand that. One thing I tell Brother Austin, I tell the young preachers in my church especially, is be comfortable with yourself. You don't have to be like somebody else. You don't have to look like them, act like them. Right. You don't have to look like the world. Just be yourself. Be comfortable you don't in need your to own follow skin. Hollywood. No. Not you don't Hollywood. have to be the the magazine. No. The Hollywood, the newest movie star. You or, don't have to follow that. Or the oneness movement. We do not have to look like them with our hairstyles. Woo. We do not have to look like them with our dress. Mm. We need to look like what the Bible wants shout. us to look like. That's right. <laughs> we have to look like what the Bible wants us to look yeah. like. I want to be part of the bride of Christ. Right. I don't want to miss that. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We hope we hope you're not too mad. <laughs> but if you are, it'll be all right. You'll be all right. Yeah. This is what the Bible teaches. And if you want to email us at two piece twenty one at yahoo.com, you're more than welcome to. But we don't want to fight and argue. We want to tell what the Bible teaches. That's right. And we hope we help somebody here today. We love you. We appreciate you. Take us out of here, Zachary. Child, well done. There will be no regrets for me. I'll be.